Riverside Chats is sponsored by listeners like you. Pitch in to keep this podcast going strong, bringing you the unique perspectives, personalities, and topics you love. Click the listener support link in the podcast notes for this episode to learn more. From KUS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I'm talking with Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar, authors of the new book, You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey. All we did was we sat down and we wrote down the things that have happened. That's it. There is no, <laughs> nothing is it wrote uh, itself. flowery. Well, yeah, it wrote itself. it's not like beautiful imagery. It's me talking to you about this thing that happened. It's Lacey talking in Lacey's voice about the thing that happened. I like hanging out with us and I wanted the book to feel like that. Mm-hmm. I think it does, except less drunk. <laughs> We talk about Omaha Nice and the different realities of racist encounters in the Midwest versus the big city. Also, I geek out about late night comedy, SNL, comedy in general with these two hilarious women. Stay tuned for the conversation after this break. My parents were what you'd call wandering souls. I must have lived in a half dozen places before I was two years old. But eventually, my family wandered into this little sawmill town called Walden in northern Colorado. My mom says the town was really kind of hip back then. She'd put me and my brother in a little red wagon and pull us downtown. When we moved there in 74, there was a lot going on. There was um, an art supply store. There was a health food store. There was a hardware store right on Main Street. I remember the... uh ice cream parlor and toy store. Yeah, and and your dad immediately started playing music with the rhythm wrestlers. The town welcomed us in, and for the first time, we settled down. But by the time I went to college, Walden was changing, fast. The town mayor, Jim Dustin, describes what happened. It used to have a sawmill, It used to have a uh, coal mine. It used to have a railroad. All those things went away. And even a recent fracking boom didn't revive things. And now my hometown has shrunk to nearly half as many people as when I was a kid. I wondered just how small can a town shrink before it just disappears? From Wyoming Public Media and PRX, This is the Modern West, exploring the evolving identity of the American West. I'm Melody Edwards. You're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Today I'm talking with Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar, both Omaha natives. You probably know Amber Ruffin as the host of The Amber Ruffin Show and as a writer-performer on Late Night with Seth Meyers, or my personal favorite appearance hers, telling the story of the hatchet-wielding prohibitionist Carrie Nation on Drunk History. 
Her sister still lives in Omaha, where she's worked in the healthcare and human services field for more than 25 years. Though her life may be less tied to the entertainment industry, she's just as funny as her sister, and the two co-wrote the book You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism, which is a recounting of the multitude of racist encounters Lacey has had living in Omaha over the years. It's a hilarious biting insight into Midwest nice culture that people want to believe is harmless and folksy to the core, and it was selected as the Omaha Public Library Omaha Reads featured book, and it's available wherever you get books. Here is our conversation. So what I wanted to start with, and I feel like I might have just, I might be the answer to this question, but I was going to ask if, since this is an NPR station, you probably encountered various white people today. Uh, did any of us here, is there anyone you want to throw under the bus? Uh, anyone who's said anything insane to you? Frankie Courtney from Minute One yeah. has been a problem. <laughs> Super offensive from the moment we saw her. Jump. No, she's been wonderful. <laughs> she's great. Well, yeah, uh, it's you know I wondered how many of these things. Are, uh, I imagine that like the finishing of the book did not stop the insane things from happening. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. and, and you keep like a journal of them or something. Then? Yes. And is, yeah. is that that's still ongoing? Even more now. Yeah. Oh boy, is there going to be a sequel? Yes, yes, there is. Oh wow. Okay, mm-hmm. that's very exciting. Yeah. Well, so it's a fun dynamic in the book, and uh, I think uh, it's what, what I like about it in particular is that there's this idea of like this folksy, pure Midwestern spirit that uh, that's sort of like the stereotype here. And you, you call it Omaha nice, some people call it Midwest nice, and it feels like this is a it's funny, but also a really good indictment of that concept, right? That there that there is a lot of edge. I mean, edge is edge is a nice way of putting it. That there's actually darkness to the whole thing, and even if we like to pretend that we're all just like these nice folksy people. Uh, there's actually some things in there that uh, are pretty gross. Did you guys ever buy into the like Midwest nice, Omaha nice idea? No, because we live here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I live here it. now. Yeah. No, never. Yeah, no. just because of your experiences that it, it yes. was not reality for I mean, you. it's not. I mean, we're making it sound like Omaha's just horrible all the time. Absolutely not. It's a great place to live, but there are, it, it has its moments and, uh, yeah, it's not it's not all sunshine and roses all yeah. the time. Well, it's interesting, uh, you know, because the audience then for the show is both people who have similar experiences, but then also I'm I'm curious about the white audience for the book or the, for the book itself because like I'm a white guy with an NPR show, so I feel like I'm probably part of your uh, white demographic ideally for the show. <laughs> um, you have I, I slightly modified it so there's not cursing because NPR doesn't like cursing, but you write in the book that hopefully white readers will come to a greater understanding of the depth of everyday racism and maybe walk away with a different point of view of what it's like to be a black American in the 21st century. So I'm curious, I mean, can you talk about who you picture those people? Like, who are those people? What's the deal with those people, those white people? Are they like racism, racism agnostic or something? I don't know. And I have certainly thought about this a butt ton. Like, honestly, who are the white people who are buying this book and going, I'm examining myself and I could do better? Who are these people? I mean, they exist by the ton, but ultimately, who are they? Those are the only white people that contact me. I mean, I get tons of messages. People walk up and say, oh, my goodness, I read your book. It was. I have not had one person come up to me and say anything negative. That, to me, is... Phenomenal. It's bizarre. I was waiting for someone to come and be like, you're talking about Omaha. 
you know, I was waiting for it. There has not been one. I could go, I, I go to restaurants, I go to different events, and every white person has walked up to me and when they're talking about the book and they're like, oh my goodness, I either do this or I know someone that does. Thank you for writing the book. It was an I like it has just been a hundred percent positive. I am not, you know, not making that up at all. I really so, do think that it is if you can stand to read the word racist, then you are probably open enough to be like, ooh, I should examine my behavior. But if you can't, if you see the word racist and it makes you go, ugh, this. What are there being such victims like that? There's there ain't but two kinds of people, and I think it's them or them. And that's it. Yeah. Well, so 100%. that that's great then. And I mean, I notice you're also uh, there must be people who've read the book who did some of those things, right? Mm-hmm. How's that gone? T- talking to some of those people. Um. So. A couple of people from the book have contacted me. And again, I was like, ooh, they're about to be upset. Well, one lady contacted me and said, this was right when the book came out, and said, I got your book. I read it right away. And at first I thought that might have been me. But then I was like, no, that's not me. And I was like, nope, that was you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, what? I was like, yep, remember when you said this, this, and this on this day? And she was like, that was me. I did that. And then I got an apology, and that was that. So so that's good then. I mean, yeah. the book has some tangible it's benefit. It's all then. been good yeah. so far. Beyond so just far. being a fun book. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Amber. <laughs> no, I'm just going, so far. Wait for <laughs> book two. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, I, I had uh, Jean Stothard in here, and I tried to talk mm. to her about Omaha in a complicated way, mm. uh, outside of just campaign slogans way. And, you know, basically it was sort of like, this idea that Omaha is divided, which I didn't think was like a controversial concept. Uh I feel like one of the one of the yeah, Mayor Jean Stothert. Uh, so she was running for re-election at the campaign. We just had another election here, and she got re-elected for a third time. But mm-hmm. I was talking about the way Omaha's divided. I talked to her a little bit about redlining, and she told me point blank, redlining ended decades ago. Omaha's not really divided oh, oh in a meaningful way. Mm. And it was just one of those things. I'm like, I don't. First of all, I don't know how you can like how can you be mayor of Omaha and say it's not divided. What was your response when she said that? Um, well, so this is a show where I can't be too okay. uh, confrontational. Okay. So it was it was a diplomatic response, but okay. sort of I was dumbfounded more than anything because yeah. I didn't think that would be what I'd get. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just I guess what it made me realize is there's this part of, there's this problem that it's like it's weird to me that the mayor seems to live in a completely different universe than I live in and that other people live in. And it's like, what do you? How do you even talk about reality and real problems when that's the case? So what do you like? What do you do with that reality? Well, you don't live in it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, what a wild I mean, thing to say. But this is this is like my life when I step out of my space and I have to go into work. This is what I walk. So I walk in ready to hear. There is no racism. What are you talking about? I mean, I would hear that daily. And okay, you yeah. should have done the interview. I'm sorry. Yeah, I sh- <laughs> I'll call you next time. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> Please do. Oh I will be She'd Nebraska be so nice. Mad. No, I'll be Nebraska nice. She, she's lying to you. <laughs> Why would you lie to him? He's our newest friend. He's going to hurt some people. Ooh, no, that's not. Uh, wait, is she a Republican? She is a Republican. She's just uh, got elected for her third term mm-hmm. as mayor here. And, you know, like I get that there are some things maybe you have certain talking points as part of your political party yes. or whatever. But I thought that talking about Omaha being divided and that there's a legacy of redlining that goes beyond certain laws being changed, that didn't seem like a difficult thing to, for us <laughs> to, to acknowledge that that's a thing. <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's weird to me sometimes doing a show like this. And I think, I mean, Amber, you talk about real issues on your show. 
Uh, and it's just like, how do you how do you talk to certain people or get them to acknowledge or change their mind, broaden their horizons if they're just like in a completely different world? Yeah, that's a great question <laughs> that I don't have the answer to. <laughs> Look, I I just am spoiled. Like I live in the liberal bubble. I'm in the freaking center of a day and I, I wake up there every day. So when we I mean, Where do you live? Manhattan. Okay. <laughs> For people that didn't know. Oh, sorry, you're right. <laughs> Thanks, Lacey. Jesus Christ. I'm trying to talk. Um, no. Uh yeah, so I don't really get to see it a lot. So I don't have I have not developed any such tactics. Because I live my little life and no one presses me and no one outside of my stuff is asking me why my stance on this is this. And I I don't know. I'm just so deep in it. I cannot see the way out. Like on the way uh, out of the we just landed at the airport and me and my husband are driving over to Lacey's house and we see someone with a... uh, uh, um, bumper sticker that said oh man what did it say it was crazy oh I'll never remember it was wild in like three minutes I'll remember it and shout it so loud what <laughs> was it but whatever it was I was I looked at it and me and my husband laughed and laughed and we're like oh this is funny to us but here it's just p- part of how it goes mm-hmm. it's wild yeah we're in a whole nother world. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have a part in the book uh, really early on where you talk about how, uh, Amber, you talk about how Lacey, uh, or, oh man, I'm, I'm forgetting who talks about who, but basically the idea is that there's sort of like this 1970s attitude of the world and like this sort of like, I think, uh, or I think Lacey, you're talking about Amber's attitude sometimes when she would be shocked by some of the stuff in Omaha and mm-hmm. something along those lines. But so, I mean, the, to some extent, there's almost an optimism there that uh, things can move in the direction of where New York is, right? Like, can can Omaha culture get to New York racist Slowly. levels? <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> 56 years from now. <laughs> I've done the math, the calculations. My people worked on it. It's going to take a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we're moving, and I think we're, we are moving in the right direction. It's just at a snail's pace. Okay. So it's just that Midwest thing? It takes forever it's for things Midwest to get here? It's a Midwest thing. I could go back to my old job and I'll tell you absolutely nothing has changed. But you do see a just broader still. change? Do you see good trends happening? I do because we okay. have game changers here. We have people that are, you know, advocates that are working. I just love to say game changers. Game, some changers. game changers. And, um, but they're fighting. They're they're doing work. And um, it's The mayor is not going. a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> I live here. I know. Hey. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, it yeah. made a big splash when John Oliver called Pete Ricketts Dime Store Pete Luther. Uh, <laughs> Pete, uh, Lex Luther. Lex Luther. Dime Store Lex Luther. Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, you know, I'm you, sorry, you can have your own version of that, Amber, with, yeah. with our mayor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting, too, that you guys, you're talking about these very serious issues. In this book, I think, like, in the, in the micro level, it's very funny on page to page. But just in its totality, it, it paints a pretty depressing picture, ultimately. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, just the idea of using comedy to talk about serious things or using comedy really to be serious about things. I mean, how did you guys 
discover that that had its own magical quality. <laughs> There's no other way that Amber and I speak to each other but this way. This is, and this is how everyone in our family is. Like when we're telling a story, it's funny. I don't care if the most horrible thing has happened. <laughs> we bad. get a good laugh in there no matter what. So that's just – that was – always going to be this way like we're just going to tell it like that it's just what we do it's how we communicate it's mm-hmm. bad <gasps> it's terrible it? why <laughs> well because sometimes someone has to say something serious and it's not going to be us <laughs> but i mean my point is you are saying something serious you're saying a ton of serious things it just happens to also be really funny at the same time which i think that might, that might be more impressive okay in that case i i agree with you and I do think we are great and doing a great job. <laughs> no, but it does. It's just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. But mm-hmm. now I have an answer to the question you asked a minute ago, which okay. was how do we talk to people who are on another planet? The answer is bleep blorp. No, the answer is you have to tell the truth about what is happening. You know what I mean? You And that's the main thing that has happened. It is just one big facade. It's one big weird lie that, you know, uh, 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 America is perfect and there is no bad history and racism is solved. But, you know, it's this big gross lie. And if you don't participate in the lie, then you can help kill it. So, you know, whether it's... um, calling people out on their stuff or creating a safe space for racists to thrive, all you have to do is not participate in lying. I mean, it is some basic stuff <laughs> that that would have, that would help so greatly. Just don't also be terrible. Yeah. Is that something? I think it is, but I mean it's it's like what exactly is a lie? So, like, if somebody says, "Yeah, no, uh, you know, redlining ended decades ago," I guess in that situation, when a mayor says that to me about Omaha, mm. it doesn't feel like that's an opportunity for like I want to learn more about this or educate <laughs> exactly. me. Hey, look, you are at your job. This is a different thing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Can that's you true. imagine the stuff people used to say to me at my job? I'd be like, "Absolutely, you're right. My hair is weird. Anyway, do you want change?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I like a little while ago, we had some guy come to the apartment to fix something. And this fool said he was like, uh, what do you say? He said, uh, but you know what? The masks are really doing more harm than good. And I said, hey, that's absolutely not true. And if you found, you know, one person on YouTube who is not a doctor who says all these things, well, that doesn't negate the vast majority, the 99% of all doctors who feel this way, that doesn't negate that. And if that's something you're willing to believe, that's fine. But it's an absolute lie. And so, you know, I just had to say that. And that was at the beginning when he first came in the apartment. So we all just had to have an awkward <laughs> half hour. But I can't give any oxygen to those lies. I just can't. And I, you know, if it felt weird for you to bring up good, because being... A bad guy should feel weird and bad. And if I, the little bit I can do is make you feel like a big weirdo, you big weirdo. <laughs> when you said that to the guy, was he receptive? No. Okay. So, but you, you did what you could. He was unhappy that I said it, and I liked that he was unhappy. And then he broke your oven. <laughs> then he broke my oven. I'm so hungry. <laughs> 
Uh, the price we pay. Uh, I'm hungry, but I'm right. I'll starve right. <laughs> if you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar about their new book, You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism. Well, so I guess to, to bring it back to the, the question, I mean, it sounds like you guys are just sort of naturally funny. That's Being funny is not hard. That just comes That's to you. That's what we do. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we do. We like to be funny. Some people feel like I got to study it and I got to do all this work to get there. I mean, and like I know, Amber, you did improv, which is its own kind of work, but just the impulse <laughs> to be funny and how to do it, I don't know, it's... I don't know. It's not something you had to, like, start from scratch with. Thank you so much for calling improv work. (laughs) (laughs) So many parents are mad (laughs) that you said that. Um, No, yeah. I mean, we are – our mom was voted class clown, and so was I. And we're all just a bunch of class clowns. Mm -hmm. It's pretty bad. But you want to talk about real things. You don't just want to do jokes and punchlines. Yeah. I mean, look, I just – think that we've had enough of people being like oh well you know there's just so much uh crime in that neighborhood because they're all black people and you know black people love crime like we've all had we're all full of that we've we've had enough and we're not doing that anymore so like also because of trump we've all been gaslit so bad that i'm like i'm not having one more second of it Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important to, if you want to be an adult who contributes to society, you you have to create a space where we are all telling the truth. So that's all I want. That's all I'm after. Because a lie un- uncalled out can, you know, fester and become true in your brain. So I just want to stop that because, I mean, I could go on forever. Because... <laughs> well, feel free to go on forever because it's great. It's really fun to listen to. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I've never stopped talking in my life. <laughs> Lacey, did you ever want to go into the entertainment industry? Thank you for asking, Lacey, that. I'd like to. <laughs> Everyone in our family, maybe except for Jimmy, but he has a little. Our performers, like, that's what we, that's what we all love to do. Yeah. We love to karaoke, sing reenact West Side Story. Yeah, we all love that. We did plays and stuff in high school, too. So I just don't have my own talk show like somebody. Not yet. (laughs) I'm working on it. Oh, my gosh. Mornings with Lacey. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. Everyone's got a podcast now, at least. Coming to you. It's coming. (laughs) KETV. We're working on it. No, seriously. Mornings with Lacey. Oh, that's real. That's true. Yeah, we're working on a podcast. Yeah, so. so NPR. Get to calling us. Shoot. Are you allowed to talk about it? Is the two of you? Um, I'll let Amber take that one. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Lacey feels like... <laughs> um, we haven't ironed everything out. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's impressive that yeah. you're waiting to iron it out before you start the podcast. Yeah. Nobody does that. <laughs> People just oh. turn on mics. <laughs> well, that's true. Hey. So we will be coming at you with a plan. <laughs> Yes, and our will. stuff will have a beginning, middle, and end, if you can stand it. <laughs> it will. Yeah. Uh, well, so uh, it's funny. The, the dynamic you guys have is something I want to talk about in the book itself because it's co-written, but it's got kind of an interesting uh, dynamic where 
kind of like uh, what you guys were just joking about with the interview. Amber, you you take the lead, but it's about Lacey, and then Lacey gets to have all these interjections that come in uh, <laughs> for the most part. And so how, how did you land on that as opposed to like a more traditionally co-written, uh, you know, sort of template? Well, this was the fastest way. <laughs> it is, though. because and, and people have been like, oh, my gosh, was writing a book so hard and blah, blah, blah. It absolutely wasn't. It wasn't. All we did was we sat down and we wrote down the things that have happened. That's it. There is no, <laughs> nothing is it wrote uh, itself. flowery. It yeah, it wrote itself. it's not like beautiful imagery. It's me talking to you about this thing that happened. It's Lacey talking in Lacey's voice about the thing that happened. So, it. I mean, I like hanging out with us and I wanted the book to feel like that. Mm-hmm. I think it does. Except less drunk. <laughs> I've never been drunk in my life. Oh, so. oh really? Oh, wow. wow. Okay. She's lying. She's oh. lying. I was going to say, your sister's been on drunk history <laughs> and you've never... <laughs> By the way, the, the drug history thing, just as a quick aside, uh, the whole, uh, what's her name, Carrie Nation story. I, I knew somebody who went to school in Kansas, and he told me that story. And it was one of those things where it's a really funny story, and then you look up a picture of Carrie Nation, and it's just not at all what you would have guessed, I feel like. Uh, but I, I want to ask a quick question about drug history. What's the, what's the pro- how much, like, how do you actually know the story when you do drug history? Um, you know it. You know it really well. They call you a week or two in advance, and they have you just sober, regular, in the middle of the day, tell you the, tell them the story so that they know that you know every last bit of it. Okay. And then you drink quite a bit, and then you <laughs> tell the story once, and that's your good take. Then you tell it after you've had a few. Do you get to pick which historical story you want to do? or You can come to them with a story, okay. but you'll never come to them with a story better than the story they will come to you with. I mean, I'm sorry, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, so they called you up and said, all right, here's Carrie Nation, prohibitionist axe lady. Yeah. They're like, do you know Carrie Nation? I say, yeah, the axe lady. And then they told me the whole thing. I was like, oh, because I just know her name and, and axis. Yeah. That that was all I knew about Carrie A Nation. Yeah. And now I know everything except I forgot it. <laughs> that was like four years ago at this point. That's funny. Well, so okay to get back to, to back on track though, uh, it's interesting. So like, why why do this as a book specifically as opposed to like a podcast or a talk show? Because it, it does have the energy of like a conversation, but it's a book. It had to be a book. <laughs> Well, dang. Didn't nobody ask if we wanted to do a yeah, podcast. They That's said, why. do you want to do a book? And we said, okay. <laughs> no one said podcast. Nobody ever said that. Are you proposing that this VR podcast is a great idea? Well, I mean, did you guys ever, th- like, were there aspirations to become authors? Was that something, like, on the bucket <laughs> no, list? No, no, no. 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 Jokingly, I mean, I kept journals, but that was because of work, and that was to complain Uh, when someone said something racist or just inappropriate, crazy, whatever, at work, I would write that down so that when I had my complaint, I had all my ducks in a row and said, so-and-so said this at 545 and he was there and he was there, you know, so that's why I would keep my journals. And then when Amber came with me for the idea for the book, I was like, I got everything written down. Also, it was a running joke with friends and family. People, I would tell a story and they would be like, oh, that's going in your book. That's chapter two. And, you know, so... 
it just worked out perfectly. So that that journal can't can't be very funny though, right? <laughs> There's eighty million of them. Some of them are. Are the they? drawings are written. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So there, okay. Well, that's, so I guess that comes back to like just being naturally funny, even if you're writing about a bunch of horrible things. Some humor will creep through. Yeah, and definitely. Then, then Amber uh, adds her flair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> flair, flair. Uh, well, so um, you know, it's I, it's interesting. Uh, did you ever like think about doing it as I don't know? Like I feel like this also has the energy of a two-person a musical. Show. <laughs> I sure. keep saying. I was thinking more like, you know, you guys both go out on stage, so we're in the similar, similar area here, but, uh, you know, two people go up and tell stories. And then slowly burst into song. Sure, why not? <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, are you talking, like, like stand-up? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't know if it's stand-up, but, like, you know, some people will do shows where they go up and sort of just oh, have their I stories, okay. and it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it just seems like a really flexible he, structure. Why isn't he our manager? He's got all these great Get ideas. Who works? You're hired, kid. You're well, hired. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, well, you guys are really entertaining me, so, you know, I'm sure it'll work me on me. You're not wrong, though. That's not a bad show. It's not bad at all. It's not a bad show. No, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a great show. Everyone, come on down. We're doing the show eventually. And, uh, you know, tickets are probably pretty hard to get. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it was kind of fun uh, reading the book and trying to figure out where all the places were, I got to say, because I've lived in Omaha my whole life. Mm-hmm. And you do. It was impressive. It was impressively vague because it didn't. It, it distracted me in a good way, I guess. It wasn't yes. like uh, you know, wasn't hard to follow any of the stories. But I'm dying to know, like, oh, okay. So they kind of gave me the part of town. I feel like I could probably figure this out, or even mm-hmm. some of the names. Like, there's a uh, Pastor Frank shows up at some point. I'm like, oh, I knew a Pastor Frank. I wonder if it's possibly the same guy and stuff like that. Changed names, names were maybe. changed. Okay, names yeah. were changed. All right. Well, I knew a bad priest named Frank for real. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he changed his name to Frank. <laughs> oh gosh, no, no. So, how hard was that though to like to tell the stories with just enough that it's not obvious where everyone everything is? It was hard for me. It wasn't hard for Lacey because hard. she's a human being with feelings. <laughs> but I was like, let's put these flippy floppies on blast and say every last first and last name. But Lacey did not want to do that, nor was that legal. <laughs> yes, we did <laughs> no, not. We they told us we had to change yeah. the names. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's another thing that's interesting about it because it's, it's this is not like a revenge book. It doesn't no, read like you're getting no. at getting back at anybody no. in particular. No. Although I'm sure that would be a fun read as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the real journal is, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. Closer to it. Um, but okay, so you guys do this, and I don't know. I guess you've probably been asked this a hundred times, Lacey, but. After going through all this, after living the life you've had, why why do you still live in Omaha? Everyone asks because, as I said in the beginning, Omaha's not all bad. My family's still here. My parents, my daughter, I have siblings here. So it's I have my own little group of people that I love and that I see every day and hang. So I, I have good things going on in Omaha. It's not all bad. It's not all bad though. Is a pretty I don't know. Tepid I know that phrase. sounds bad too. Doesn't yeah. It? It's wonderful at times. <laughs> That's Come to Omaha. That's it's wonderful <laughs> da, 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 at times. Amber's always, um, and I travel a lot now, so Amber's always trying to get me to move to New York. So we'll see. And I am Lacey Lamar, and I am moving to New York. <laughs> 
could happen. It's it's the thing that comes up on this show a lot because the idea is sort of like pick all the exciting people in Omaha and uh, somebody. (laughs) The exciting. (laughs) You are. Yeah. Of course you are. No. 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 Well, but I mean, somebody told me at someone after I've been doing the show for about a year. He says I feel like the undercurrent with all these exciting people is like, okay, so you've done something exciting or there's something cool about you. Like, why in the world would you be in Omaha? (laughs) And that hasn't gone away. uh, That that feeling. So I mean, it sounds like. I don't know. Amber, were you always excited to get out of Omaha? No. I was never mm. leaving. I was absolutely never what? going to leave. Oh, really? I was not leaving. Oh, I thought you were always My best leaving. friend, Shannon, um, f- literally forced me to leave. I wasn't going to leave. I visited Chicago for the Chicago Improv Festival, and one of the ladies who owned a theater said, if you move out here, you'll have a full-time job within a year. Doing and then improv? I, doing improv. Okay. And she was right. I had mm. way less than a year. Well, so okay, and so it just naturally happened that you got out. You didn't have aspirations of like showbiz at the, at the beginning. No, absolutely not. I thought I was going to do plays downtown for the rest of my life while I delivered mail. <laughs> that was what I thought for real. I was going to end up doing, which sounds yeah. pretty great. I can still end up there. I'm still young. Anything could happen. Were you guys into stuff like SNL and uh, late night shows when you were growing up? Yes. Oh, yeah. We watched them. You could watch in our house if you were, if you would watch the news, then you could watch uh, Johnny Carson. I mean, uh, a younger person. Whatever makes me sound younger. Jay Leno. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you already said Johnny. You said Johnny. Oh, mom and dad, were, I'd always be like, I want to watch the comedy show. And they would go, okay, then watch the news. And I'd go, I'd rather die and I'd go to bed. <laughs> but every once in a while, I, I would stay and watch the news. It's like you had to do your homework of be informed a little bit and then you can laugh. Yeah. Well, I mean, my perception of shows back then was that late night shows tried to be educational or informative and like kind of provocative in a way that like, say, Jimmy Fallon doesn't today. Really? Mm. I feel the opposite way. Really? Okay. Yeah, that they were very careful and didn't do anything. Because remember when, was it, who did it? Who gave their whole show over to Harry Belafonte? Was it before Carson? Maybe it was Carson. Gave his whole show over to Harry Belafonte, you know, for whatever reason, but didn't want to come close to being like, hey, maybe let's stop being mean to black people. Didn't even want to go there. Gave the whole show to Harry Belafonte for, I think it was a week, (laughs) and then came back and was like, okay, that's done. Now, about Fords, (laughs) they're not as good as Dodge. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's how that went. So maybe it's just I watch all these documentaries now that have clips from Dick Cavett and other stuff where he's got like James Baldwin on and I don't know. It seemed like there were real conversations, but that might just be completely nostalgia uh, and not reality at all. I mean, those things that well, more so with Dick Cavett for sure, but it wasn't a lot. Those were like the highlights. Yeah, that's true. Those yeah. are the ones. That's yeah. why those still come up today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, but it, it, that must have like seeped into you in some way, and there must have been some of those aspirations just from watching and thinking, like, okay, here are some problems I have with it. Like, here's here's what you have to bring to it, right? That's a nice thought. That is n- has never happened. Like, I don't think I ever looked at a person with a TV show and was like, one day I'll have it. T- it I never felt like that. 
I'm sorry. I am a black woman from Omaha, Nebraska. I certainly wasn't going around talking about, I'm going to be on television. <laughs> like, I didn't even, I never thought I was going to leave Omaha, much less be on television. I was over at uh, writing on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Yeah. And I wasn't like, one day I'm going <laughs> to, not even then. That was like two minutes ago. I, I certainly <laughs> didn't think that that was in the cards at all. But now we're going to have our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, once you got out of Omaha, though, my guess is it wasn't all that exciting of the pr- prospect to come back to it, right? Oh, that's true. Yes, it's still bad. <laughs> and every minute here is just, I'm just getting <laughs> so bad. Uh, no, yeah, I don't, it certainly doesn't seem fun. It's not. Because Lacey's here. And oh, she's like, okay. it, it would be fine, but she's like, always oh, here. <laughs> like right now, she's. <laughs> What's well, so, I mean? Okay, I don't know, Lacey. Oh, but you, did you have like such a mixed feeling about Omaha the whole time? Like as as Amber's getting out there and <laughs> other cities doing things, you I mean you just decided it was worth it to sort of have the home and have family, and that was that was more important than like trying to find a city that maybe treated you better. Yeah, but I I have just just always been like just the even line. Like I was like, this is how it's going to be, and when you go to work, things are going to suck all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when you come home, you're good. Like w- once I left my job and could breathe, you know, it was okay. I mean, sure, there'd be places, certain places in Omaha. You know, my friends would invite me way out west to go to dinner, and I'm like, okay, but someone's going to try to touch my hair or say something crazy to me. Like that, that was just it. So there's there's certain areas, times, places that you know it could be uncomfortable, and that's in any. Small town. I mean, yeah. I, we're not going to call Omaha small town, but it kind of has that Omaha. It has that small town feel. So there's any any place you live is going to be that way. I'm sure there's a place in New York that Amber's like, I'm not going there. I'm not like I'm sure. No, I made that up. I don't okay. go anywhere. She doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> but you know, r- racism really is everywhere. There's not yeah. some state where it just stops no matter what. So you're going to get it. I would get it no matter where I lived, and I know that. <laughs> yeah. um, so I never thought about leaving to escape racism. Like, yeah. you know, you're black, you're going, it's, it's going everywhere. to happen to you. It, yeah. It's everywhere. So I never thought that, oh my God, this is like the worst place in the world to live. I just said, oh my gosh, look at all these funny, crazy, hilarious, horrible stories that I have. And this would be great. Yeah. When Amber said, let's write a book about it. I'm like, I have a lot of experiences in this. And I have a lot of friends who have a lot of experience yeah. as well. Like there, I, and I always tell everybody has a story. Everyone could really sit down and write a book. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, most people, it's just the enormity of it. Like, how do I get that many pages, right? But then I feel like once once you've done it, it must seem like, uh, okay, I could do another one, right? And if, yeah, and if you've – most people haven't been keeping a journal for 20 years. If you could go back and think of all the hilarious, weird things that have been said to you, you would be like, oh, my gosh. Well, I tell all my friends that, like – I they're like, how do you have all these stories? Well, I journaled them. <laughs> so I remember – you know, all of these stories that have happened to me, but I'm sure you've had, you know, a good amount happen to you as well. So, I'm talking today with Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar about their new book, You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism, which is available now wherever you get books and was selected as the Omaha Public Library Omaha Reads featured book. Let us know what you think. Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We'll continue my conversation with Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar after this break.
This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club. I'm Charity Nebbe. Book clubs are fun for a lot of reasons. They're an excuse to read something new, something you might not have picked up on your own. They are a great opportunity to visit with friends. But what if you could invite the smartest, most insightful people you can think of to have a candid conversation about a great book? That's what I get to do on the Talk of Iowa Book Club, and you're invited. He really was able to convey the message in a way that gets to your heartstrings. We can really see that he is a scientist, but he's also a person who loves what he is studying. He's a scholar and a humanist, and and I think that's his greatest achievement. And then it's like, punch, punch, oh my gosh, what? So you have this like visceral, emotional connection to the poem, and it's because of the way he's linguistically playing with language. Let's talk about sex, because, of course, in the original book... Um, <laughs> Stan and I have always longed for someone to say that to both of us on the radio. <laughs> A dream come true. Yeah, right. yeah. Thank you. Right. The Talk of Iowa Book Club podcast coming soon from Iowa Public Radio. It's time to start reading. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and I've been doing this show for a little while now. Check out the backlog of Riverside Chats episodes wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite app is. Subscribe today and please leave us a review. Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar's new book, You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism, exposes the microaggressions that permeate Midwest nice, and they package it in a hilarious dynamic between each other. Pick it up wherever you get books. Here is the rest of our conversation. Have you been able to do any kind of like tour? I know you've done a couple events, but COVID (laughs) complicates everything. COVID just messed up everything. everything. Though I hate to fly, so it was great. Okay, yeah. We just Zoomed. (laughs) We did a lot of Zoom book events. That's all we've been doing. In fact, um, this week will be our first (gasps) in-person. Yay! Book signing. So we have a very small one at this place called Johnny T's. That's Thursday evening at 9. But then our big one that's going to be really, really big is at a place called Status. It is like a high-end purse store in Exarbon in that inner rail area. Mm-hmm. And that's at 6 p.m. And then there will be music, a live band. Anjali will be playing at 7. And then there's an after party at the Strut. Can you stand it? We get to do a real thing. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yay. Put on makeup and everything. Ah. You get into a reading? No. <laughs> Where have you been? Where have you been? Flailing in the wind. <laughs> without a real direction. And here you come out of freaking nowhere with the best ideas I've ever heard in my life. How dare you? Oh. I was going to say, the reading could be the the rough draft of the two-person show that you end up doing. <laughs> so or, or snippets from the next freaking book. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. you got some good ideas. <laughs> you need some brainstormers around you. I can't, I'm, I'm not, not leaving here without <laughs> Joe. You move. 
All right. Yeah, Courtney, you getting all this written down? All right. Of course <laughs> she's not. Manager. It's <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> Oh man, I, st- I feel you say all this. I feel like I'm going to end up in the next book, and like this weird radio guy kept giving us all You're these ideas there. we already had. He's and, in there. He's yeah. already in the. This book. guy whose name is No Black, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Best uh, last name. Ever. Is it going to mess with the format at all? Mix it up at all? No. <laughs> all right. I mean, I doubt it. We'll probably talk to some more of our family. Mm-hmm. That's probably it. Got some. Friends stories as well, yeah. So it's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Do you see the stories are already already hilarious. I mean, nothing has nothing has changed. Okay, well, great. Yeah, I mean, still journaling. Do you see it being like a series eventually? There's just a bunch of these sorts of books out there. You know, with you as our manager, the sky's the limit. And we are very hard to deal with. (laughs) Oh, we just get going. Well, as far as like nothing's changed, I know like you can't expect one book necessarily to shift everything, but also like you're doing it to broaden horizons to open some people's eyes and everything. And there's that hope. And I don't know if you if you gave this to Jean Stother, what do you think her her reaction would be? I don't. Books aren't real. (laughs) 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 I live in New York. I say what I want. Lord, okay. Gene, if you're listening, I have a signed copy for you. So. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, yeah. Read that book. Oh, It'll change your nice. life. Lacey is the nice one. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could uh, sign one for Ricketts, too. <laughs> oh, and Pete, I got you. Mm. That'd be a fun conversation, <laughs> wouldn't it? <help. laughs> is he in the book? <laughs> he is not in the book. He's not in the book. I don't think they would read the book. Let's just be honest. Well, yeah, I don't I know. Mean, I don't want to speak for them necessarily. I but I uh, will. I would I'm not reading the book. This is a person the title. <laughs> it's an impression of somebody. Anyway. <laughs> that, was, that was both of them. Yeah, oh, it's an amalgamation. Oh, a mixture? Right. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That was a mixture yeah. of them yeah. not reading no, the I book. I did not make SNL. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. My impressions are not good. Oh, man. So, it, I mean, you auditioned for SNL, though, right? I did. How was that? It was fantastic. <laughs> now, that was an impression. Of, no, I'm just kidding. It was fun. I had a good time. Yeah. It was fine. Any fun Lauren, fine. Lauren fun. Michael stories? Frick. <laughs> I got to his office and didn't say a word. I was just so shocked that we had gotten there because we got there. We all auditioned. I did excellent. I did as good as I was going to do. Like, I do not um, have any regrets whatsoever. My stuff was tight. It was rewritten within an inch of its life. I had performed it so often that it got wooden. I had to stop performing it. I was off book like I'm like, and then when I did it, it went great. People laughed. It was wonderful. And there were four of us who were in the final four and you know everyone else got sent home and the four of us like went and interviewed with everyone and then went to like a show in the after party and those three girls got snl and i did not (laughs) so it felt like i extra super didn't get it (laughs) like not like it doesn't feel like oh i got close it feels like i i got i got not it forever like super not snl so yeah even though you got as far as you possibly could have without getting on that's right yeah it feels like the opposite (laughs) did you talk to lord i talked to lord we had a meeting in his office and he tried to get me to talk but i was too scared 
and I didn't really say a lot of anything, yeah. and I didn't really know what to say or do. It was a mess. Well, every story with him sounds like he doesn't give you a whole lot of uh, <laughs> clues about what he wants you to do or say or react to. Or... Yes, he's very much just quiet and then will let you talk, but I didn't know that. And yeah. then I was quiet, and then no one talked. <laughs> <Just sat in laughs> silence. I sat in silence and stared into his eyes. <laughs> oh, man. Well. I mean, well, but now you have a show named after you. You are pioneering things in late night. That must feel like, yeah, that worked out just fine, right? Truly. I, I do think it did because I just wouldn't have – I do think SNL, I, I wouldn't have done very good there. Like at at late night, Seth, it is freaking Montessori school. Everybody, your freaking feelings, and you talk. Everybody's helping, and it's you can take days to write a sketch. It's the best. So, like in SNL, it's absolutely not like that at all. Right. You know. <laughs> so, like, there is nothing to re- replace your stuff if it goes south. You know, you want to be doing great, but um, y- yeah, I don't know how I would have done in that climate. I think I had to go the Seth route to be spoiled like a big fat baby and then work hard uh, on my own. Yeah. Instead of having it be a requirement. <laughs> I found my lip gloss. I've been looking for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lacey's sorry. shaking her head for those of you at home. Older sister. <laughs> I've been looking for it all day. You Pay attention, Amber. Imagine waking up. <laughs> Seven this morning. I apologize, and everyone. And really wanting your lip gloss. You can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If you're just joining us, I'm talking today with Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar about their new book, You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism, which is available wherever you get books. So, I mean, Lacey, are you planning to get more into entertainment stuff now that you've got your foot in the door here? A little. We're doing our podcast. Right, yeah. In the new book. Writing another book, so, Yeah. Next Still up. be seeing me. You're, you're going to end up on SNL just, uh, just I to made, spite your sister? I didn't want to <laughs> anger her, but I made it. <laughs> had an interview with Lauren. We talked all, all day. Yeah, we did. I'm sorry. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I made it, everybody. <laughs> yes. uh. Uh. So I mean, you guys, you seem like you're close, <laughs> but it must also be fun to be able to do all these press things and get to hang out with each other, right? It is. It's fun. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Not sick of each other yet? Uh, Not yet, because we don't so, see each other that often. It's like I just, she's it's been a long uh, Amber can't be the spotlight oh. if Lacey's there talking all the time, right? Sucking up oxygen. She's everywhere. <laughs> no, we are oh. having fun. I'm oh. having fun. I'm having enough fun for the both of us. She is. She really is. We haven't seen each other in a while. In 50 years. So. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Since Johnny Carson was Since on the air. Johnny Carson <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so as we, as we sort of wrap up here, I know you've already plugged your sort of next events, but uh, is there anything else you want to talk about that we didn't get to here today? Yeah. Okay. Peacock is a free app. <laughs> you can download it. Yes. And now when we say free, we don't mean you're putting in your credit card number and then waiting for the No credit card. We don't need it. We're not even looking for that. You, you just download Peacock on your 
freaking phone. It's on your TV. It's on your it game is. console. It is. And it's freer than free. Get it and watch the Emperor Effin show. Ta da! Oh, that was a good plug. It's a it's a great, it's a great show. Plug. I love it. I oh, think I I wish it was uh, daily. I'm sure it's uh, it's a lot of work though. It is a lot of work, but um, yeah, daily. Gosh, can you imagine? Who knows? <laughs> I can I imagine mean, watching it daily. Anyway, I know I for can. you it's a different situation. Yeah, I mean, my show will be daily. Oh, wait, <laughs> oh what? Okay, then we're doing it daily. We're Monday night live, Tuesday night live. <laughs> So they added all those days just for me. <laughs> it's not just Saturday Night Live anymore, everybody. All day live. It's Lacey Night Live. Oh, man. That's so funny. Oh, my God. And, guys, we are we have not been drinking. <laughs> yeah, but. It is not drunk history, not drunk no. fri- present. I don't know. Well, okay. So thank you guys so much. This has been so fun. Honestly, I've laughed more in this last hour than I probably have in, like, a year. So thank you my so much. God. <laughs> Okay. What <laughs> we'll happened? Do. Past year. I just don't know people as funny as you. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yay. It's a compliment. It's not, I'm not looking for, you know, so, it's not a sob story. I think we need to turn these microphones off and take a look at your life. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This is really no, great. Thank you. This is great. Close your eyes and give thanks for all things old and new. And remember, if Benifer can make it, then I think so can you. Riverside Chats is a production of KIOS 91.5 FM, Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowitz. Remember, you can also find the backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to Riverside Chats today, and please leave us a review. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock. <laughs>